Hi, and welcome to the Virtue Podcast. My name is Laura Jackson. I'd like to begin by thanking Kathy, Tiffany, and the whole Virtue team for inviting me to share. I feel so super blessed to have the opportunity to share with all of you about joy in the home. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, you are our source of true joy. We praise you and thank you for the work you're going to do in our lives as we learn about how to be more joyful in our homes. You've begun a good work in us, and we trust that you are going to be faithful to complete it. My prayer is to glorify you, Jesus, and may each one of us be encouraged to grow in our relationship with you. We invite you to have your way in us. In your holy name, Jesus, amen. My guess is that most of you listening don't know me, so I wanted to give you a brief description. I've been married to Jeff for almost 27 years, and we have three young adult children, ages 22, 20, and 18. Currently, four out of the five of us work here at Harvest. I first accepted Christ when I was eight years old in Capitola, California. My grandma and grandpa would pick up my one sister and me every Sunday, and I loved it. Mind you, at this point in life, I moved from Hampton, Tennessee to Santa Cruz, California as a toddler, experienced my parents' very ugly divorce, seeing, felt, and heard all kinds of things a young child should never experience. Both of my parents got remarried and another big move from Santa Cruz to Riverside when I was 10. We lived across the street from some friends that took us to church each week, and this is where I began to live with one foot in the church and one foot in the world. I became boy crazy and threw myself into new friends, dancing and cheerleading, with no church attendance, and only a few Young Life events in high school. I knew all along that I was being rebellious to God while living in sin. I was a happy person on the outside for all to see, but on the inside dealing with anger, bitterness, deep sadness and depression, self-harm, and even thoughts of suicide. One year after high school, I started asking questions about my parents' divorce and was frustrated with religion. I wanted answers. Some friends of mine tried telling me that I needed to get right with God. I ignored them for a short time, but could sense the Holy Spirit nudging me to get right. I shudder to think that I was on a path of destruction. I went to a Harvest Crusade in 1992 and rededicated my life to Jesus. I walked down onto the field in Anaheim with a friend that just wanted to touch the grass because he was a baseball fan. I prayed with Pastor Greg that night, and the Lord has been refining me ever since. Along with regular church attendance on Sunday nights here at Harvest by myself, I began reading my Bible and first clung to Proverbs 3, 5-6, through which says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge me in all your ways, and I will direct your path. This wonderful verse helped me so much in the situation I was in, trying to figure out the truth in several different areas of my life. Next came Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I didn't have my priorities straight at the time, and I asked the Lord to help me. He did. Oh, and I am so grateful that he did. I focused on God, school, and work, and I believed that in his perfect timing, God would bring the man I would marry into my life. A few years after my recommitment and about four months later, having anchored that verse in my heart, God brought my husband, Jeff, to me. I wish I had more time to tell you about our courtship and engagement. 
At that time, about 28 years ago, I joined the women's Bible study here at Harvest and really took off in my growth with Jesus. After a couple of years of being married, I came to my first workshop here for women. It was called Caring for the Elderly, led by Trish Dietz. My divorced parents were not elderly at the time, but I attended that workshop because God put it on my heart to start gathering knowledge about that topic and glean as much wisdom and insight from Trish. I had a desire to one day care for them. Little did I know that just a few months later, my mom was diagnosed with brain cancer. Within those two years, I was given the opportunity to help care for her daily, especially in the last year. The reason I share this with you is because I want to remind you that you are here listening to this podcast for a reason. Maybe you've got joy mastered in your home. (laughs) So you think. Maybe you're struggling in this area, or perhaps you're a teen or young adult like me all those years ago looking for ways to better prepare yourself for what's to come. Let's first understand what joy is and how it can compare to happiness. It is imperative to understand that the joy the Bible talks about is rooted in what Jesus has done for us and that if we accept Him as our Lord and Savior, we get to live an abundant life with Christ and spend all eternity with Him. In the book of Philippians, otherwise known as the book of joy, the Apostle Paul wrote to the Philippians about joy all while having gone through intense suffering and imprisonment. In his letter, he talks about having joy in all circumstances, how we can experience joy while serving, experiencing joy while living a life of faith in Jesus, and the joy of giving. In Pastor Greg's blog, written a few years ago titled, The Secret of True Joy, it says, The secret of joy is found in the way that we think. The key verse that I would like for us to focus on is Psalm 32, 1, which says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Now, I hope that when you hear and read this verse, it puts a big smile on your face. We have been forgiven. I don't think I've mentioned to you yet that I'm a teacher here at Harvest Christian School. We have a little saying around here that if you don't look joyful, then you need to fix your face. We get to experience true, lasting joy all because of what Jesus has done for us. As sinners, we deserve hell and punishment. But Jesus left His heavenly home to come and live here on earth as a perfect man, all while focusing on what He said Himself as the joy that was set before Him. To endure all the harsh suffering and painful death on the cross to save us from our sins. His great love for us forgiveness, peace, and salvation that He offers to us as a free gift is the sole reason we get to experience the joy that only He can give. No matter what we're facing in life, be it a mountaintop experience or perhaps you're in one of the deepest valleys you've ever experienced, you can rely on the inexpressible and invincible joy that only Jesus can give. Happiness, on the other hand, is defined as the quality or state of being happy, delighted, pleased, or glad. When things are going well, when we get what we want, when we feel good, we're likely to be happy. However, when things aren't going well, when we don't get what we want, or we don't feel good, we're not happy. To me, happiness is a lot like the weather. 
It's ever-changing. Happiness depends on what is happening in our lives and circumstances. If my three adult children pick up after themselves, clean up their mess in the kitchen, and get along with one another, I'm a happy mom. But if not, I'm a disappointed and frustrated mom. Can I feel disappointment and frustration all while experiencing joy? The answer is a resounding yes. I mentioned earlier that to experience true joy, it begins with how I think. I'm not talking about mind over matter. The joy I'm talking about is biblical joy, only found in Jesus. Someone may only experience this kind of joy if they're a Christian. A famous preacher and author named Charles Spurgeon explained in his book, Fullness of Joy, that when a person is born, they are given all the physical parts intended at birth and compared that to when we are born again in Christ. We get what we've been given at birth, both physically and spiritually. When we ask Jesus to come to live inside our hearts, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. At that point, we have His power living inside of us with the full potential to bear fruit, joy being one of them. The Holy Spirit has been sealed within us, and God promises to never leave us nor forsake us. I would like to share with you three points, all beginning with the letter A. Number one, ask the Lord for help to choose joy. Number two, allow the Lord to grow joy in you. Number three, aim to share the joy of the Lord. Point number one, ask the Lord for help to choose joy. John 16 verse 24 says, Ask using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant joy. It all begins with Jesus. I want you to take some time to really think about all that our Heavenly Father planned, what Jesus endured, how we have the Holy Spirit here with us to be our helper, and the promise of eternal salvation. We are sinners, and we need Jesus as our Lord and Savior. He took our place on the cross to pay for our sins with His shed blood because He loves us and is preparing a place for us in heaven. He wants nothing more than to have a personal relationship with each one of us. He is the only one that can fill the hole in our hearts. We must first begin with choosing Jesus, and then He will be faithful to help us choose joy no matter what we're facing in life. Speaking from personal experience, His joy will remain. I encourage you to choose joy every day and live in such a way that your life is a giant thank you card back to Him. My mind used to be so boggled by the first part of James verse 2, which says, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. The rest of the verse goes on to say, Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. I'd think, Oh, okay, I need to go through these things to become more mature and patient. But I would struggle with how I could truly be joyful in my trials. I'm not talking about a fake it till you make it attitude. The Lord has so creatively blessed us with emotions and feelings. In their right place, they can be a very beautiful thing. I heard a quote recently that I like, Feelings are indicators, not dictators. In our home, we enjoy celebrating birthdays and holidays. Since both of my parents are in heaven now, I struggle with feelings of sadness, especially around these times. The Lord has been so sweet to help me realize that it's okay to feel the feels of sadness, but be joyful at the same time. 
This happens when I choose to focus my attention on Jesus, experience His ministering power in my sadness, and be reminded that I get to spend all eternity with Him and my loved ones. Point number two, allow the Lord to grow joy in you. Galatians 5, through 23 says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Maybe you've been walking with the Lord as a new or more mature believer. We need to realize for the first time or even remember that joy is a fruit of the Spirit. When you first accept Jesus into your heart, the Holy Spirit then comes to live inside of you. Maybe you aren't necessarily a joyful person as a Christian. I've met several Christians that rarely smile or talk in a monotone voice, leaving me to wonder, what's that all about? I can't help but wonder if maybe this might mean that joy is in seed form. The Lord loves it when we are joyful in Him with shouts of praise to Him. If this is something that you struggle with, will you allow God to grow up the fruit of joy in you? In our home, there are days when we might refer to each other as being a grumpy goose. (laughs) Don't worry. We're not into name calling. It's just our way of saying, hey, I can see that you are allowing your feelings or circumstances to control the grimace on your face and bad attitude. So snap out of it. When this happens, I need to put myself in time out with Jesus. I go to a quiet place by myself in our home, most of the time in my bedroom. I sit with Jesus, read my Bible, pray, and sometimes listen to worship music. I purposefully make myself sit still because this is hard for me. Close my eyes and wait for Him to highlight whatever it is I'm struggling with and listen to how He wants to help me become more joyful in that hard place. He faithfully ministers to me, comforts me, and reminds me that I need to keep my focus on Him. Point number three, aim to share the joy of the Lord. 1 Peter 3 verse 4 says, If someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. As Christians, we want to be joyful to the degree to which it is going to hopefully cause people around us to be curious and ask, so why are you so happy? Or what is different about you? We can then say, oh, it's the joy of the Lord that you see, which hopefully would lead to a conversation in which you can share the gospel and lead that person to Christ. Anytime anyone comes to our home, we strive to greet them at the door joyfully with a hearty hello, a hug, and sometimes a kiss. We teach our kids that a head nod from the couch is not sufficient. Most days, I'm in the kitchen putting the finishing touches on dinner when my husband comes home from work. I stop what I'm doing, no matter how gooey or stinky I may be, to greet him with a smile, a hug, and a kiss. I want him to see the joy in me when he comes home. I've learned over the years that it is best to not unload the day's frustrations on him right away. I heard it said long ago that as wives, we should make our husbands want to come home after work, not dread it. My husband Jeff and I have tried to create a home that is welcoming, peaceful, and joyful. We've trained our kids to know that their friends are welcome in our home. When my son Luke went to public junior high after spending his first eight years of education here at Harvest Christian School, he once said, 
I don't want to invite so-and-so over because he cusses. This was such a wonderful opportunity to tell Luke that we wanted him to invite that friend over because we see it as an opportunity to share the love of Jesus with him. That conversation made Luke feel better about knowing that his parents were supportive of whom he wanted to have over to our house. I'd like to close with a few Jackson Beatitudes that we work on as individuals in my family to create a more joyous life experience. Be grateful. Express your gratitude to the Lord, number one. Be intentional about expressing your gratitude in a spoken word or even in a thank you card to that person who blessed or encouraged you. It's not enough to just think to yourself that you're grateful. When you do this, you are showing love, consideration, and appreciation towards others. Once you begin to incorporate this as a daily habit, you will become more joyful. A grateful person is a joyful person. Be on time. Since I work at a school, I can see too many times when students are late. Oftentimes, both students and the person dropping them off don't look too joyful. I can remember a season when my mom was a single mom, doing her very best to get my sister and me to our cheerleading, baton, and dance practices on time, but it was usually very stressful the times we ran late. My mom did not like being late. When it was time for me to start managing my own time to get to school and work, I tended to be rushed and often late because I wasn't a good steward of my time. It wasn't until someone told me long ago that when you are late, you're basically telling the person that is waiting on you that your time is more important than their time. This helped me to realize that it is important that I be on time because surely I didn't want to send that selfish message to others waiting on me. I understand that sometimes we're late because we have an appointment or things happen out of our control. The Lord has blessed us with time and we need to be efficient managers of it. When we pay better attention to the time, plan accordingly, and be a respecter of the person waiting on us, which I believe is an example of loving your neighbor, we will practically feel that fruit of joy growing and becoming more juicy and ripe. Be giving. We look for opportunities where we can give of our time, treasure, and talent. Remember, the Bible says that the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Make a meal or send a DoorDash gift card to someone who just had surgery or maybe just lost a loved one. Share your wheelbarrow when your neighbor asks to borrow it. Check in with that friend to see if you can run an errand for her or pick up an item that she may need from the store. When we shift our attention from ourselves to others, we will quickly find that it is a joy to be used in the hands of the Lord. Be quiet. Settle the idea in your mind that you don't need to talk all the time. I know this can be very hard for some of us. I got into lots of trouble in school for talking all the time. It wasn't until I met my husband and his family that I came to understand the beauty of sitting in silence. This is such a sweet time to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. Be silly. We do not take ourselves too seriously in the Jackson home. I'm happy to share that we love to laugh and play together as much as possible. I like collecting silly memes or reels to have on hand to look at or watch in the waiting room of my oncology appointments. Now, I've only shared five Jackson Beatitudes with you. Your homework is to take some time to sit with the Lord and make a list of as many Beatitudes that you can think of within your own family. 
include both strong and weak Beatitudes. Then ask the Lord to highlight three that are the most challenging for you personally. Finally, of those three, pick one to start working on with the Lord's help for one week. Focus on that one beatitude and purpose to look for a way to live it out repeatedly for that entire week. The next week, try a new one. The end goal is to ask the Lord for help to choose joy no matter what. Allow Him to grow joy in you and aim to share your joy with others. I leave you with a verse that Paul spoke in 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus.